live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Well, how are you? After the weekend where we saw the good, the bad, and the ugly, how are you feeling about your favorite team right here and right now? We'll delve into it today for the next two hours as we come to you each and every day from uh, the game. We are um, all over the place, and we'll tell you how you can follow us. As my main man, James Mesh, who sits in the producer's chair, he's pushing, he's got all these buttons in front of him. He pushes it and runs this show to perfection, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. How about them Cowboys? We are, we are streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And uh, if you're in the Acadiana area and you're a television set, pop it on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, if you're an New Orleans Saints fan, you're just fed up. Another loss, this time to the Carolina Panthers, 22-14. to The offense, well, the Saints are a bad football team right now. There is no other way around it. They hemorrhage mistakes in all phases of the game. Pre-snap penalties, turnovers, unblocked blitzers, boxed field goals, errant snaps, missed tackles, long runs allowed. Heck, Carolina only gained 293 yards. They converted only four of 14 third downs, and they let the Saints get 6.7 yards of play, and they still managed to win comfortably because the Saints' offense is just horrendous. Saints left. The good news for the Saints is they're not only out of town, they're out of the stinking country. They left uh, Charlotte around midnight. They got into London, and they will uh, kick it off at 8.30 a.m. our time this Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. Good luck with that. So the Saints are going (laughs) downhill. Meanwhile, the LSU Tigers are going uphill. Um, Thanks to a very impressive uh, 38 to zip win over New Mexico. Um, incredible. New Mexico ran 33 plays of offense, just 33 plays. LSU outgained them <laughs> 633 yards to 88. 633 to 88 let me tell you whose stock keeps going up and up and up Jaden Daniels 24 of 29 for 279 yards really impressive really impressive and and the best news is LSU got a lot of players in and uh, they all contributed 
and it was a workmanlike fashion in which LSU just did what they had to do and got out of there unscathed. Now they get to take on the Auburn Tigers, who who somehow, I don't know how, the Missouri, the thicker kicker, as they call him, missed the chip shot field goal that would have won the game for Mizzou. And in all likelihood, today we were talking about an interim head coach at Auburn because Brian Harson would have been fired. Would have been fired. Somehow, some way, he choked on the – it was like an extra point. He choked on it. Auburn comes back and wins in overtime, and now LSU will travel to the Plains for a 6 p.m. kickoff uh, this Saturday evening. Meanwhile, LSU fans, guess what? Mimosas in the morning as LSU will host Tennessee two Saturdays from now for an 11 a.m. kickoff inside Tiger Stadium. I was told that the SEC pushed for LSU Tennessee to get into CBS's 2.30 or 7 p.m. slots, but that didn't work. CBS went the other way with their doubleheader. They put Georgia and Auburn, followed by Bama and Texas A&M. So there you go. Um, I'm not so sure. I can understand Bama, Texas A&M. I'm not so sure people are going to want to watch Georgia beat down Auburn. I think the LSU-Tennessee game far better. But, of course, you can listen to the game right here uh, on 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We'll talk in depth about LSU's win with our good friend Glenn West coming up at around 2.30. Chris Rosevaglu will join us at uh, in about nine minutes or so. And we'll talk about this New Orleans Saints team. The play calling is terrible. The offensive line can't open up holes. They can't protect Jameis Winston. Should he even be playing? The defense is doing everything they can, but what's up with the special teams now? Missed field goals, bad snap. It's just just a joke. Just a joke. Um, ooh, not a pleasant sight for the UL Raging Cajuns. Um, man. They had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, end up losing 21 to 17, largely because of shortcomings yet again in the kicking game. Two critical errors, uh, clearly the difference between winning and losing. Uh, and now two straight losses. And South Alabama comes to Cajun Field this Saturday for a 4 p.m. kickoff. Um Bad snap on a punt led to an easy score for UL Monroe. Um, a missed field goal from 23 yards out because of a bad snap. These little things that, you know, you, you take for granted until they happen. And when they do happen, it's usually of a cataclysmic um, type of result. It's the execution, the snap, the hold, the kick. It's just execution. Um Snap on punts. We take it for granted. You never want to hear the snapper's name ever. When you do, it's never good news. So the Cajuns struggling uh, their record now at uh, two and two as uh, they take one on the chin to the rivals from Monroe, the Warhawks. How about a clap of the hands, though, for the McNeese Cowboys? Forget about who they played. I don't care. They won a football game at home 
for the first time since upsetting Incarnate Word 11 months ago. Ironically, that's who's next up for McNeese as they travel um, to take on Incarnate Word in San Antonio uh, Saturday at 6 p.m. Um, look, when you're 0-3, you're looking for everything and anything to make yourself feel a little bit better about yourself. Um, and they did. 32-17. to 17. Put some smiles on their faces. Gary Goff doesn't have to answer any more questions about when his first win as a Cowboy is going to come. Um, that's, a, that's it. They figured out a way. Was it perfect? No. But they did have two runners go over 100 yards as Deontay McMahon and D'Angelo Durham uh, both gained over 100 yards. And for the first time, the Cowboys didn't allow a sack either. McMahon's the star. His third straight 100-plus outing and fifth in his last six games dating back to last season. Wow. Winning always shows progress. And it gets your fan base back involved. And it gets your players feeling good. And they'll they'll practice with a little extra pep in their step this week. No matter what it looks like, you always want to learn lessons from wins rather than losses. And they did that. So congratulations. Jim Gazzola will join us as he does each and every Monday and recap that for us as well. Um Man, no more Pro Bowl. Wow, we're going to have touch football. Anything's better than what they had. Anything's better. We had another coaching casualty in college football. They're dropping like flies. The Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets fired their athletic director, Todd Stansberry, and they followed their football coach, Jeff Collins. Collins was in his fourth season. They've lost nine straight games to FBS opponents dating the last season. And they were just coming off a 27-10 loss to UCF. They need, they need a coach, a big-time coach in a big-time way. Uh, who that is, your guess is as good as mine. The buyout for Collins is expected to be $11.37 million compared to the $7.2 million it would have cost the school in January. He was 10 and 28 as Georgia Tech's coach after arriving from Temple. Stansberry had been the Georgia Tech athletic director since 2016. He hired Collins, made the decision to bring him back last year after a three and nine season. That football coach is tied directly to the hip of the athletic director. So Georgia Tech joins another list. You're looking for one at Arizona State. You're looking for a coach at Nebraska, just to name a couple. Um, stay tuned. More to come. Um, no big surprises in the SEC this weekend. Um, Alabama did what they had to do, right? And they took care of their took care of their business, as uh, always. And now we got another week of Southeastern Conference football coming your way. Georgia struggled. Uh, to beat Kent State 39-22. Mississippi State, an easy winner. Tennessee held off Florida 38-33 in that one. Ole Miss struggled against Tulsa, winning 35-27. Kentucky kind of looking ahead, struggling against Northern Illinois, winning 31-23. to 
A&M uh, beat Arkansas 23-21. Some um, tough, tough calls for Arkansas down near the goal line. Uh, man, protect the football. Don't turn it over. And Arkansas wins the game. But uh, they did turn it over. And A&M took one about 97 yards on a fumble recovery. Uh, and then a handoff to a teammate who ran down the sidelines for the win. Um, Alabama 55, Vandy 3. Their passing game got ignited on that one. And South Carolina beat Charlotte 56-20. to 20. So there you have that. In the NFL, the big story, Miami Dolphins upset the Buffalo Bills. Tua and company remain undefeated in the NFL. And uh, that's pretty darn good. We've got Dallas and the New York Giants tonight. Dallas and the New York Giants. The Giants are undefeated. Week three wraps up. Pre-game begins at 7 o'clock. Kickoff set for 7.30. You can listen to all the action right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Cowboys and the Giants. Boy, this would be a feather in the cap for New York if they can come up and get this win. So we got a lot to recap. We'll start off with the – man, they're terrible. Yeah. Jameis, Saints offense, just horrific. Defense doing their part, but, man, offense, terrible. Special teams just was awful yesterday. And the Saints, whoo, they're floundering. So Chris Roseville will get us started. This is the Jordy Helford Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back on this Monday edition of the Jordy Hilpert Show. Time to put on our quarterback hats and uh, dissect all the games and all your favorite teams. And we start with... Uh, the New Orleans Saints, who come up on the short end against the Carolina Panthers. And, uh, I, I, boy, you talk about some soul-searching. That must have been a long, long flight across the pond heading east to London. Chris Rosevaglu, uh joins us, always very candid with his thoughts and his opinions. And uh, he joins us now. Chris, good afternoon, sir. Thank you for the time. How are you? I'm doing well, Jordy. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'll, I'll say I'm definitely doing better than the Saints right now. Yeah, what uh, just, I mean, pre-snap penalties, turnovers, they don't block, uh, block, box field goals, bad snaps, missed tackles, long runs. I don't know what else to say, but just total ineptitude. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, watching the game yesterday, there was only three positive takeaways that I took from that game. and The first one being Chris Olave, I thought he looked as good as advertised, if not a little bit better. I think Marshawn Lattimore continues to just shut down opposing receivers. DJ Moore had one catch for two yards. That was a great takeaway. And then the third one, I would say guys like Pete Warner, who continue to kind of climb that ladder. But other than that, just a disaster, especially on offense and special teams. What about the play calling on offense? You know, I think the easy thing right now is for people to harp on the play calling and say that it's offense. And there are problems with it. And I talked about it yesterday, and I, you know, I vented about it. Uh, throughout Sunday afternoon. I think they're getting way too predictable. A lot of first down passes that go incomplete, then they'll run it on second and 10 and set up a third and seven in an obvious passing situation. And 
the defense knows what's coming. So it is too predictable. I, I will say, though, I think there are moments where the Saints can move the chain, but they have no rhythm offensively that they're not taking those easy give-me passes. I think there were moments where Alvin Kamara was at the chains. There's moments where Adam Troutman was actually open yesterday. And I think for the Saints, it's a little bit of both. It's The execution's been terrible, and the play calling's a little bit predictable. And I think that there's got to be a way early for them, you know, move the chains, first down completions, and not always go for the home run ball. And I know that that kind of goes against the MO of their quarterback, but I think that sure. it's somewhere in the middle. The play calling needs to be better, but the, the, the execution definitely needs to improve as well. Out of all the games, there's been one quarter where they were effective offensively, really effective offensively, and that was against Atlanta, and they were in the hurry-up. Should the Saints start offense in a hurry-up situation to get their rhythm going? Maybe not You know, start the game, because I'll say this, and, and you guys would probably agree, Jordy, if you look at the Buccaneers game, opening drive, I thought they moved the ball effectively. Then they had, you know, they kind of shot themselves in the foot with penalties and ended up settling for a field goal. And then even yesterday, I thought, their opening drive, the scripted plays have been working. So I think it's once the scripted plays come together and you go two, three drives and it's not working, I think you do have to increase the tempo and you have to start getting into a rhythm in that regard. But I think, again, you know, there's also concerns right now with the quarterback play, whether it's injuries, whether it's bad reads. And it's kind of tough right now to even get your offense in a rhythm if the quarterback's not feeling comfortable and he's missing a couple throws and it really is one of those frustrating situations where I'd love to say there's a quick fix, but I don't think there is a quick fix for the Saints team. I think that mm. they, you know, you talk about soul-searching. It's something over the next six days before they get ready for that Vikings game that they have to go to the drawing board, see what works, see what doesn't work, and try and put it all together. But I think right now the main thing for them would be to try and go with some short-yard completions, keep the chains moving, and please just stop running it on second and ten because it almost seems like they're just burning it down. Yeah, jeez. My buddy Jeff Duncan came up with a, a stat. 16 of the Saints' 38 offensive possessions through three games um, ended with punts. 16 of the 38 ended with punts. Nine others ended with turnovers. So that's uh, 27 of 38. Six have ended in touchdowns. Six others resulted in field goal attempts, three of which have been missed. Um, I, I guess it's a trickle-down effect. I haven't seen Will Lutz miss like that. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I ever did. Um, I, boy, when it rains, it pours. Yeah, and, and that's a big part of it too, right? I think after week one, I know Lutz made a, you know, the long field goal from 51 yards, and we kind of thought, and, and I thought that you know, going into week two and beyond, that if they get a field goal range, they'll feel pretty comfortable about their kicker being money, but that's back-to-back weeks where you know, things haven't gone their way. And even week one where he did hit the 51-yarder, he missed one prior to that, so there are some concerns right now about Will Lutz. Hopefully he could shake that off. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the stats that Jeff Duncan brought up. The turnovers are glaring. That's back-to-back weeks they've surrendered a defensive touchdown. It's back-to-back weeks that their quarterbacks had multiple picks. That's the third week in a row that their running backs fumbled the football. And you're, you're not going to win games when you're not scoring points offensively and you're actually giving the, uh, the other team uh, easy scores. And, and I look at the Panthers game yesterday. There was a moment where Baker Mayfield pretty much had, I think, no completions and the Panthers were up 7 nothing. That just can't happen. And, and I think yeah. for the Saints, you know, if you're going to be an offense that really struggles to move the chains, you've got to at least take care of the football. And the fact that they're doing both those right now, coughing up the football and going out three and out quickly, it's just a recipe for disaster. And it puts so much stress on the defense, which was the case last year and seems to be the yeah. case for three weeks this year. But the, overall, though, the defense is doing their part. Uh, but, look, Jameis Winston, I don't know for sure what all physical limitations he is – 
enduring right now, but it's obvious that the opposing defenses don't fear. He's not going to take off and run, and he's not going to scramble because of his injury. So they're sending blitz after blitz after blitz after blitz after him. And eventually, Carolina got the batted ball interception. They got a critical sack on the third down. So is is Jameis Winston more of a hindrance than, than a help right now? I think right now he is. And whether that's just bad play or, or just the injuries, at the end of the day, if you're going out there and you're willing to, to lace up your cleats and get on the football field, you are subject to criticism. And, and it might be unfair, but... That's the way this game goes. I remember last year, Baker Mayfield hurt his shoulder in week two. He plays through the rest of the season, and one of the biggest talking points was how poorly he played and how Cleveland needs an upgrade at quarterback, and that's part of the game. And, and if Jameis is going to go out there and gut it out, he knows that he's going to be you know, subject to those talks uh, you know, that we'll have on these Mondays. But I think for him, the fact that he didn't go through his normal pregame warm-ups, the fact that he's been limited in practice the last six sessions that they've had, it's clear that he's not 100%. I mean, even week two against the Buccaneers, there were moments he could take off and he looked hesitant. I think, you know, everyone talks about the back injury. I wonder if the ankle injury is actually a bigger problem for him right now. You know, it's harder to plant when you have an ankle problem. It's harder to scramble, which you mentioned. And I think for Jameis, if he's not able to do that, and it's very clear over the last two weeks that he really hasn't been able to produce at a high level, why did you sign Andy Dalton if you're not going to put him in for these type of moments, right? No one's asking for Jameis to be benched for the rest of the season. But, you know, when he goes down and he is ineffective, you signed Andy Dalton to be that premium backup to hold down the fort while your starter was hurt. And I'm just so baffled right now why they haven't gone to that move. And the fact that Dennis Allen's made it clear that they won't go to that move next week either. So it seems like they're just going to have to hope that Jameis heals on the fly. And I don't know how easy that is to do in a sport as physical as football, but I guess we'll just have to hope and pray at this point. Alvin Kamara, who fumbled for only like the seventh or eighth time of his career, um, said we need to find our swag. Uh, When we're good around here, we usually play with a swagger, and we're missing that right now. How do they get swag back? I think it's as simple as this team just getting back in the win column. I I think that would do wonders for them. And I talked about it yesterday after the game. I know it's very easy to go all doom and gloom and say the season's over, but if you look at the way the Saints' schedule kind of shapes out if they were to leave london with a win everything looks differently you would be two and two heading into a seattle game that seattle's had their own issues and after that it'd be a cincinnati team that granted they have joe burrow and those weapons but they have not looked nearly as good as people thought they would through three weeks and you'll see that the schedule what looks harder looks a little bit easier the raiders the only winless team in the nfl so i think for the saints when they kind of find their groove usually when they go to london they find the answers that they need, and they come out of that for the better. I think of the 2017 team. They go in. They're 1-2. and two, They play the Dolphins. They get to 2-2, two and two, and all of a sudden they go on a run. And, and I'm not saying this team's the 2017 team. That was a special roster with Sean Pitt and with Drew Brees and everything clicked that year. But, you know, th- this is a game against Minnesota that they have their own issues to work out. And I, I think for the Saints, just getting a win and getting your playmakers like Alvin Kamara involved a little bit more in the passing game, I think that would be how they kind of get their swagger back that he was talking about. Yeah, the best thing for the Saints is not only are they out of town, but they're out of the country for the whole week. They don't have to listen to all this and answer all these questions. It's time for them to to hunker down. It's time for their leaders to step up and lead, not only uh, verbally, but um, in their actions on the field. So I'm pointing the finger at, at Kamara and Demario Davis and Cam Jordan and Jameis Winston. 
dude's got to step up now. It's it, you know they don't give you time in co- in the pros to rebuild like they do in college. It's now or never. And right now the Saints aren't a good team. But like you said, it is early and they can correct it. But man, they they got a lot of work to do. Yeah, they absolutely do. And, and to that point, if if they were to have another disappointing performance and they're one and three and the offense comes out flat again. I just don't think you can go into that week five coming back to the dome and run everything back as if it's been okay. And, and that's what that's I'm right. curious to see, right? You know, if yeah. the Saints believe it's an execution problem, then there should be a change that's been made. And if they think that it's a play calling problem, there should be a change that's been made. And I think that's probably the frustrating thing. I think for the Saints, if they were finding different ways to lose, it would still be frustrating. But I think teams would chalk it up to it's just not their year. But they keep losing in the same manner. And it seems like the defense is good enough to carry them again this year. They just need some sort of pulse from this offense. So, uh, you know, you hope, like you said, you go to London, you get away from the distractions, and, and you do some soul-searching, and maybe that is the case. But if they come out of this with another loss, I think it's going to be a tough year for all parties involved, especially for D.A. and Jameis. I think those are the type of guys who yeah. are looking for that second chance to revitalize their respective careers. Well, thank goodness for Green Bay. They put the first loss in the column for Tampa Bay, so the Bucks lead the South at 2-1. and one. Then the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Saints are both are all one and two. So still lots to do, but right now um, you've only scored 51 points in three games. Uh, you've given up 68, but you've only scored 51, and that's uh, that's not good. That's not what the Saints are used to. So we'll see. We'll see what they do. It'll be the good thing is it'll be an 8:30 kickoff. Um, over there in London and the Saints and the Vikings. Chris, uh, don't get so worked up, man. Don't, don't, uh, you know, this, it's just a game, man. Don't go crazy on these second and 10 run calls now. Uh, you know, Jody, <laughs> I, sometimes I have to have some fun with it. You know, that's, that's how we <laughs> get course. through these tough games sometimes. I'm kidding, man. I always appreciate your time. Uh, no, not all doom and gloom, but these guys are pros. They got to play better, my friend. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you so much for having me, Jordy. Uh, Chris Roseverglue with the latest on the one and two New Orleans Saints. If that's not nightmarish enough, how about face your worst nightmares with the game's 13th gate giveaway? We have your VIP tickets for the legendary haunted house attraction. That way you can scream over and over again while others have to wait in line. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today to win a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. If your quarterback doesn't play well in the NFL, you don't win. You just don't win, and Jameis Winston's not playing well, and the Saints aren't playing well as a team, plain and simple. LSU's getting better day by day by day. Defense is doing their job, and Jaden Daniels looking like a stud. We'll talk Tigers with Glenn West next here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
28 first downs to only two, 633 yards of total offense, allowing only 88. No punts, no interceptions, no fumbles. A team that keeps getting better and better and better are the LSU Tigers. 38 zip over New Mexico. Um, Glenn West of Go247 Sports, kind enough to join us. And Glenn, it just seems to me that um, the coaching staff has made some personnel adjustments and after that florida state game the defense keeps getting better and better and better good afternoon sir yes i i would imagine that probably what you've seen out of the last three weeks of lsu is just so extremely encouraging that it kind of leads you to believe that lsu will be able to compete in really every game they play this year because of what they've done defensively um you know not just really from the the starters perspective you know you have your stars your bj ojaleres um you know your your Ali gays your guys that you kind of came in thinking would produce for you um but you've had a lot of con- contributors that you didn't know exactly what you were going to get you know i don't think we knew exactly what jay ward was going to be able to do uh in that nickel safety spot when they made that move a few weeks ago i don't think we knew uh what jarek bernard converse would be able to do at that cornerback spot and kind of making that transition to the sec um you can say the same thing for harold perkins for for greg brooks for um yeah, colby richardson i mean all these guys that are getting uh significant snaps here for lsu and are big parts of why this defense has been so consistent the last three weeks um, you know, you're, you're seeing kind of the makings of a, of a top five defense, I think in this conference. And I think that's really something LSU can hang their hats on here as they head into the heart of their sec schedule. Glenn, you combine that with what looks to me like a quarterback that is maturing day in and day out. Jaden Daniels, 24 completions in 29 passing attempts, no interceptions, 279 yards. He wasn't looking to run as often as he did before. He stayed in the pocket. He looked, he looked, he found, and had some great play. He keeps getting better. Yeah, I mean, outside of probably the defense, I would say Jaden's performance was one of my bigger takeaways from that game. Um, Just because just what you said is exactly what we were hoping for in terms of his development here through the first three, four weeks of the season. Coach Kelly's talked about it a number of times, how much they want to see him continue to improve as a pocket passer and uh, making those decisions. And, um, you know, we even talked with Coach Kelly today uh, at his press conference and he pointed out a play where he threw a a hook route, I think, to Jare Jenkins uh, on Saturday, and it was his fourth read. It was the fourth read on that play. Um, he ran through his progressions, didn't panic, didn't fly after his first couple options weren't there. Uh, he stayed, stayed, you know, composed and was able to hit Jenkins for, I believe it was a first down pass. So that's the kind of stuff that I think LSU really wants to see out of him, uh, especially now as SEC play is here. Um, you're still going to be able to use your legs. You're still going to have him uh, use that mobility to his advantage. But I think what you're starting to see now is him also being able to balance that with some really good decision-making uh, as a passer. How's his health? Uh, he got nicked up a little bit. Is he good? Yeah, he's okay. But So he had a little bit of a back strain uh, in that third quarter. That's why they took him out. Uh, he got hit on the kind of going towards the sidelines after a first down run, just landed on his back wrong. It tweaked it a little bit, but they – actually cleared him to return in that game, but LSU was already up by, by yeah. I think four scores at that point, so they just decided to rest him. But he's okay. 
I've never seen a discrepancy in total yardage like that. 600 something to less than 100. I've never seen that before. Look, it was it was an all around dominant performance. I think we kind of expected that it would be a, a bit of a, a wipeout for LSU, but I didn't I don't think we thought it would be exactly what it was. I mean, um, the, the defense in particular was just so spectacular um, in, in keeping everything in front of them. They didn't really allow anything more than, you know, five or six yards at a time. I mean, um, and a lot of those a lot of those plays that they you know gave up were you know for losses i mean they they were just so consistent all game long um and i think it's just something that you can really point to as a confidence boost for this group as they head into a really tough part of their schedule here he is glenn west go to four seven sports so i think we've got to tip our cap to the coaching staff uh they have not been uh, stubborn and set in their ways. They're looking, they're still learning about their players, players still learning about them. They're making some tweaks here and there. And I mean, Jack Besh put back there at a punt return. Ridiculous call, by the way, ridiculous. It yeah. was a touchdown, ridiculous. Um, so they're still doing and still figuring out some things to do. But I, I think overall, I mean, heck, the defense has gotten better. The quarterback's gotten better. So all these coaches are working with these players and, I give them good grades. Yeah, you mentioned Jack Besh. I mean, I think the word that Brian Kelly's used the last couple of days is fearless in terms of how uh, they like him at that punt return position. I think they wanted to be a little bit more cautious in some of the scenarios there. There was one or two plays where he uh, caught caught a punt and probably should have just thrown up the fair catch signal. But, um, you know, they, they really like what he can do in that position. And I think that's just – Another example of this coaching staff being able to no, uh, recognize a player, notify a player of his talents, put him in a position that maybe he's not, uh, you know, had a whole bunch of experience with and be able to coach him up quickly enough uh, to get him involved in that in that punt game. So I, I think the coaching staff has been fantastic. Matt House has drawn up. I think I think you give him three straight A pluses for the game plans yeah. he's drawn up. Um, for, for this defense, they're applying pressure. And I think the biggest thing that they're able to do, uh, and, and it allows them to be more creative with the pressures that they're drawing is the secondary is held up so well. I mean, I think that's been one of the big takeaways from the early part of this season. Uh, we thought there might be a, a little bit of a downtick in terms of production, in terms of execution from that secondary. Uh, and there were a few miscues in that Florida State game. But really, since then, I think it's been very smooth sailing for this group as a whole. And I think that's a big part of the reason LSU's having the success they are on defense. Auburn week is always an important week. Um, LSU was th at this same point a season ago. Um, and they, they started off losing their opener. They bounce back. And then Auburn shows up in 2020. Um, you know. It just I don't know. Um, <laughs> they just seem to have troubles against Auburn. Um, yeah. You know, like, look, it was TJ Finley coming in for Miles Brennan. They beat the heck out of South Carolina. Then then they go to Auburn and they, they lose 48 to 11. Uh, yeah. And then last year, Auburn comes into Tiger Stadium, wins it 24 to 19. And you think LSU is better than all of those. But so this is a very, very important game against a team that golly if if missouri right just kicks the field goal we may be talking about an interim coach this week for auburn yeah i mean look i think you know harson the, the auburn coach is on the hottest of hot seats right oh. now in the fcc He's yeah dumb. it really seems like a game-to-game -game basis on whether or not he'll stick around and be the head coach yeah um but you're absolutely right this has been 
a matchup that, I mean, this dates back years. I mean, it's not just the last two years. This has always been a matchup that has been a thorn in LSU's side. Even that 2019 season where LSU was just running over opponents, they won by two points. They They won by two points in that game at home with Joe Burrow playing lights out. Um, it's just it's a really tough matchup for LSU. And so um, but I do think LSU has a lot of advantages in this game. Um, I think they're going to be able to get, um, you know, they, they're there. We talked a little bit today with Coach Kelly, but they it looks it's looking it's trending towards it being the mobile quarterback that they're leaning towards in terms of starting uh, at Auburn. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that plays into the defense's advantages a little bit just because you've had some experience going up against. Uh, you know, a Jordan Travis this year, you played against uh, Jaden Daniels in practice. So I do think they're going to be doing a lot more one-on-one, uh, you know, ones versus ones with the defense okay. offense this week, which was uh, something that I think Coach Kelly alluded to today. So that's going to be really important in preparing for this matchup, making sure that, you know, the defense is reading its keys right. They're doing the the things that are necessary to have success on Saturday. Give me the team that always has yeah. – that has the better quarterback, and I'm going to take LSU's quarterback over whoever Auburn's got over there. That's why I like LSU's chances. They're on a roll. Then you get, uh, you know, little mimosas uh, <laughs> on a Saturday morning. Uh, Tiger Stadium, 11 a.m. kickoff against Tennessee. I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised at that. I thought CBS would, would jump all over that game. I understand Alabama, Texas A&M. Not so sure the Georgia-Auburn matchup is going to be all that inviting. You know what I mean? But, hey, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, the coffees are going to have to be Irish that morning for sure. Um, But, yeah, I think, you know, look, I mean, it's uh, there's been some discussion on our board here at 24-7 just of the the early kickoff. And, you know, I think LSU probably could have, you know, I think it was probably coming down to either the 2.30 or 11 a.m. kickoff, but uh, they decided to go with Georgia-Auburn there. And, uh, yeah, it's just going to be an early morning. But also that's quick. That's yeah. good for us reporters, honestly. Yes. We'll be out of there by 3.30, 4 o'clock and get, be able to write a few postgame stories and uh, not be going to bed at you know, 1, 2 in the morning. Right. So I'm, Maybe uh, go, go to take your significant to dinner or something, you know? Do yeah. something yeah. normal for a change. Um, advantages. Yeah, so LSU at Auburn, 6 o'clock. Basketball season is right around the corner. Kim Mulkey started some practice today. Matt McMahon's getting ready to start later on this week. Um Did you happen to go see any of Kim's practice? I did not see any of Kim's practice. I stuck around for Matt McMahon's press conference earlier this morning. Um, Really uh, interested with both with both programs. I mean, obviously with Mulkey, you're you're thinking you know Final Four championship kind of season. I think they put together a roster that uh, is going to be really really fun to watch. You know, Flo J Johnson is somebody that I'm just. You know, really interested in seeing play. We've heard so much about her the last couple of years. And, um, you know, from from everything that we've seen, everything that we've heard, she's as advertised. So I'm really interested to see how that all comes together. And then for the men's program, it's going to be a learning experience here over the next six weeks as they learn just about their team on the court. You know, it sounds like they spent a good portion of the summer just trying to build that chemistry off the court and, and having these team various team events and all that stuff. But uh, you know, Coach McMahon, uh, for what he was able to do and what he was taking over uh, in terms of a roster that was completely, you know, barren, uh, I think was really, really impressive. And now it's just about, you know, putting those pieces in the right place. It sounds like they're going to have an eight, nine man rotation uh, this year for, for LSU. They don't really want to go over that. So 
Uh, it's just about finding that core group here over the next several weeks. And, uh, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how all that comes together. Yeah, it's a busy time. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to I'm, I'm looking forward to both both clubs. Mm-hmm. I think I think the two outstanding coaches, it's going to take the men a little bit longer. Uh, I think the women are here and now and ready. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how many season tickets they sell and how mm-hmm. things are going. Um, all right. Mm-hmm. So overall for the Tigers, you give them a I know it's yeah, look, the, New Mexico, whatever. New Mexico is better than Southern University. Um, and, uh, they shut them out. Defense was terrific. Got to give them an A across the board, right? Or is there some area that you're still, mm. I would say an A for most, for the most part, I, I think special teams, you know, you're still in that serious, you know, kind of area of where they're making a couple mistakes a game that, yeah. you know, costs you field position at times. It's cost you a touchdown with that blocking call. I know it was, probably was a, a ticky tack call there, yes, but it was. still, something that counts against you and so uh that's going to be something that i think is still a work in progress um you know kickoff they had a kickoff kind of go out of bounds on them last last week you can't have that in sec play you can't give opposing sec offenses the ball at the 40 and an opportunity to go score real quick so uh they got to clean up some stuff on special teams um you know it sounds like they're they're as healthy as they've been really all season um outside of mason smith so I think you're heading into this stretch here, uh, you know, in a really good position. I meant to, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, the transfer from, from Arkansas is going to make his debut, Joe Fusha. Joe Fusha, yeah, Fusha. What does he bring to the table? So yeah, he's um, he's going to really be important, especially because LSU is going to be missing Major Burns for the next three to six weeks. Okay. Um, that's actually the one player that that I forgot to to, to mention, but uh, <laughs> he yeah, Fusha is a guy who comes in from Arkansas. Uh, he was teammates with Greg Brooks. He's also the safety there. So there's some camaraderie back there. Those guys have played with one another for the last couple of years okay. uh, in that Arkansas defense. So, um, you know, I think they're, look, they've, they've used him a lot. You know, he's been at practice. He's been involved. He's been actually been on the scout team for the first four weeks of the season while LSU's preparing offensively for, for their opponents. He's been apparently giving them fits on, on, on defense as a scout team player. So he's, okay. He's staying involved, and I think Coach Kelly is going to be ready to roll him out there in a big role uh, on Saturday. That'll be awesome. Again, LSU at Auburn, six o'clock. I got to believe I haven't looked at the point spread. I got to believe LSU's favored by six, seven points, or am I, I, yeah, am I it crazy? Was seven, the seven. It was seven when it opened on Sunday. I haven't checked today to see what it is, but it All was right. at seven on Sunday. Yeah, well, pretty good. All right, Glenn West, go two four seven sports. Enjoy the weekend. Go go do something fun in Saturday night. All right, get Absolutely. away from the computer. Go we're do something some, fun. We're gonna get a little bit of a cool front end this week. I'll try to hit some golf. Uh, there you go. Later in the week, so that'll All be right, buddy. Fun. Yeah, always right, great to have you on a Monday. Thank you, Glenn That's West. Right. Go two four seven sports the game clubhouse at one zero three seven thegamecom or one zero four one thegamecom can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club. You'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Back to wrap up hour number one here. On the Jordy Helper Show on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, 1037, 
Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 56 minutes after the hour. Uh, we mentioned Kim Mulkey's LSU basketball Lady Tigers practice today. LSU's men will practice this week. So will the Raging Cakes. It was media day for the New Orleans Pelicans today. And uh, you know, everybody's raving again about how thin um, Zion Williamson looks. And that's terrific. Uh, the less weight he has on him, the better. Uh, just the better. Um, C.J. McCollum gets an extension, so that means the Pelicans have their talented trio, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, C.J. McCollum, under contract for the next three years. So the outlook that was once dreary is all now sunny, all sunny for the Pels. All right, our number one's in the books. We got to talk about the Cajuns lost, the Cowboys win, and more on the Tigers in our number two the Jordy Helpert Show here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We'll be back. Live and local, this is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Our number two of two, and away we go here on a Monday, September 26th, the year 2022, as we're watching um, the Caribbean and uh, a hurricane that's out there. looks like it's not going to affect us, but we pray for those that it will. It looks like Tampa is going to get the brunt of this thing, and then it's going to move up the East Coast. Anyway, fingers crossed on that one. Um, the Saints were awful. Couldn't get anything done on offense. Self-inflicted wounds across the board as they dropped to one and two. LSU was brilliant defensively. Their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, was terrific. They shut out uh, New Mexico, 38-zip, gaining over close to 700 yards of offense, giving up only 88 yards defensively. Never seen such a discrepancy before. McNeese gets their first win of the season over Mississippi College. And for back-to-back weeks now, the Raging Cajuns come back um, with a loss on their hands as they fall to 2-2. Two and two. Now they uh, get to host South Alabama as a nine-point home underdog as the Jaguars are coming to town. Anyway, let's recap that tough, tough loss to the ULM Warhawks, where the Cajuns led by 10 in the fourth quarter, ended up losing at 21-17. Gerald Broussard was on the call of the game, part of the UL radio network, and he's kind enough to join us yet again. Man, Gerald, I'm sorry to say the second time we've talked, second time we've had a loss. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing good, Jordan. Now you know we're pals, because, man, I really don't want to relive that. But... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, no, it was uh, disappointing. And, and look, it, it's one thing to 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 go play Monroe and, and, and lose the game and stuff, but but to play the way the Cajuns did and to fall short the way they did and have so many opportunities there. You know, uh, Jay and I were talking at half about how 
you know, it's 17-7, Cajuns are up. You don't feel comfortable because, you know, uh, the Cajuns in ULM, uh, traditionally it's going to be a close game, but there were yeah. so many more opportunities that you had in the first half, you just didn't take advantage of. And then, uh, you know, ULM came out in the second half and, and made a concerted effort to run the football and uh, didn't score in the third quarter, but because of some Cajun mistakes, they were able to score a couple times in the fourth, and the Cajuns just couldn't get it done. And then, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's um, surprising. And now the Cajuns are, are, are underdogs at home against a West opponent, which it's been a few years since that's happened. And so, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's a big change from what we anticipated. They had some positives. I mean, the offense, it looked like, showed improvement. But when it came down to uh, to finish and put points on the board, they just came up. They they couldn't do it. Uh, but they showed some improvement. Where, where's the offense in your book now? Yeah, and, and, you know, it came out, and I know that Coach Daz talked with his guys about being aggressive, uh, more aggressive as quarterbacks, about being more aggressive, more decisive, whether, they, whether it be running with a football or just – just playing with more confidence, and it looked like they did and came out and showed some really good signs and and just found a way to kind of be self-destructive. Still struggled to run the football, but throwing the ball, they, they, they look good. I mean, Chandler looked good getting it going, and then, you know, to be honest, uh, when when uh, ended up bringing Ben in after Chandler had scored a couple times, that's going to draw some questions there. But, you know, you, you make the decision before the season or before the game so you don't let emotion play into play, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not. And uh, you know, so there were some opportunities there. And but you know, the other thing was, George, is that there were some some shortcomings in the kicking game. You know, I had a bad right. snap that wasn't been able to handle, it, and so weren't able to get three points there on a the turnover by the defense that set you up. And then you, you gave up another touchdown on a bad snap on a punt that gave ULM. I mean, I don't know, but four or five yard drive you know the right. score there and so that that look it, it's just hard to to win when you when you do that to yourself i think that's the thing that's that's disappointing and concerning all in one is the last two weeks you know you leave the game and, and you really say that was that team really better than us and, and I, I i can't say yes but truth be known is you came out with two losses yeah um poor Bad snap on a punt, uh, the short, you know, nobody ever wants to talk about special teams and they call it no. special for a reason. Cause if you're, if you're special, you're going to make, make kicks. You're going to snap the ball. Right. And, and if you don't, man, that, that, that's losses. It's guaranteed, man. And that's been, um, that, that was a major reason the Cajuns have won so many games the past three years, their special teams was always stellar, man. I hate to see that coming up right now. I really do. Yeah, and you, and you know the Cajuns were always able, as you said in the past, able to make plays and separate with the special team. Started out with the momentum a few years back at Iowa State with the kickoff return for a touchdown, the punt return for a touchdown. Now you know the, this this past Saturday night, you end up with a couple of bad snaps. And look, they, they are called it is called special teams. They call the position player specialist. I mean, the kicker is a kicking specialist. The punter is a punting specialist. The snappers are long snapping specialists. My son was a long snapper. He went through a career there at UL, and then he had a bad snap in a game. And you know, Jay was kind enough to point out that he he had he had one in three years of snapping, but that's the one that he still talks about as a thirty-year-old man. You know, and, and you got to fight through it and come make the other good ones after. And, and the Cajun snappers did. Uh, and I say snappers because they are two different. They play with two different snappers: one for field goal extra point, one for punts. 
they do do some things differently. That the, the Cajun punter accepted the blame for the snap because he said he wasn't lined up wrong. You know, traditionally, mm. Jordy, the punter would line up right behind the snapper. Well, the Cajuns don't always do that. They'll line him up all set to the right and all set to the uh-huh. left and sometimes straight back. And so I don't know if there was miscommunication there, but, you know, and the Cajuns had a, had an opportunity with a return that they got called back because they were blocking back and just little things like that that we yeah. haven't seen in the past are starting to rear its head. And, you know, Jordy, you, I, I know I've been around it. I don't know if you've been on TV before. Sometimes when you're struggling, those kind of things just kind of magnify. And, um, you know, when you've got to play perfect, that's hard to do. And, yeah. and so it's in some of it you start questioning your confidence and all that. I hope that it, usually all it takes is something good to happen early, which it did. I mean, really did in this game. But you weren't able to carry it over for a second half. And, and you know, We've seen that three of the four games that the Cajuns have played where they only play a good half. They're not able to either follow right. it up with a good second half or in the case of Eastern Michigan, start off good. They came with a good second half, but they had a real poor first half. So hopefully, let's knock on some wood somewhere. Hopefully, you know, the Cajuns will be able to put a whole one together this week. Gerald Broussard with us again. It'll be South Alabama at uh, Cajun Field, 4 o'clock kickoff in South Alabama, nine point. Road favorite. Wow. Normally, Gerald, I, and, and I know every year is different, okay? But based upon history, Cajuns have a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. They're going to run you. They're going to run it to submission. They're going to run the clock out. Weren't able to do that. Is What's wrong with the usual? Uh, usually that's the bread and butter of the Cajuns is their running game. Right now it's not. Where is the deficiency here? Well, and I think when you look at it, and you look at the, of the eight transfers the Cajuns had, four of them were between two offensive linemen and two running backs, and and you've got some other guys in there that are that are gaining their experience in there. And, and you're right, Jordy. I mean, if you gave the Cajuns the lead in the past, then you were just going to get pounded. And and uh, mm-hmm. but but the physical part of the game. Was it was it was just a continuation from what went on earlier, and it wasn't all just run, run, run early. But they would do a lot of physical stuff. Well, this this line is not as physical, and look, they're just a little bit undersized compared to what they would be. Uh, but they're not as physical. They did not rotate near as many. I think they. I, I didn't see backups come in. I saw only five play the whole night. Now I may have missed some because I don't know if you ever been to ULM, but their press boxes. They say it's the highest press box in all of college football, and it's up there now. But, really? Uh, so huh. anyway, but but I didn't notice any any rotation in there, and they just weren't able or haven't been able just to really pound people. And and you don't have as big a physical. You know, Jacob Cabote did not play, and and they just don't have that big physical pound that they've had in the past. And so mm-hmm. they're still kind of trying to get a hold of the run game. And uh, a lot of times you can throw early to run late. Uh, but the Cajuns hadn't been able to get that going just yet, and I think it's a combination of it. it's, it's offensive line that, that's got to get better, trying to get people knocked off. And if you're just going to stay with a zone scheme, then you tend to need to be able to stretch people to get them moving laterally, or you go to some kind of a gap scheme to get some double teams in there. But okay. they're also having some backs that are not as big and as thick and as pounding as, as you had in the past too. Gerald Broussard with us. Um, not to harp on negative, but are you concerned with the running defense of the Cajuns? They gave up 227 yards on the ground. That's a lot. It is. And, 
gave up a couple of big plays, and, and you know, one of them was, a, it was actually a ball was thrown and considered a rush because it was it was a lateral, but it was out in the flat. I mean, it was it, it had nothing to do with the guys up front. Now, but mm-hmm. but one of them was right up the pipe, and, and you know, seventy five yards right up the middle. And there was some misalignment in the back because it's one thing to be able to crease the front. It's another thing to crease the front and the linebackers who are blitzing have nobody in the back. And the Cajuns didn't. So there was some misalignment, some communication issues there. And the other, you know, the, the Cajuns gave up a couple of big plays that traditionally that just don't happen, Joy. And, right. and so, yeah, that, that is concerning because, you, you know, it, it's fine to play good defense, you know, for most of the night. But if you, you just you, those big explosives, and look, everybody talks about explosives being twenty or twenty-five yards, depending on where it's running past. But when you give up three plays over fifty, that that's yeah. what you, is concerning. And, and you know, one of them didn't score, two of them didn't, but 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 they put you down there. And so, you know, the yeah. defense has really showed some flashes of playing really good. Uh, but then they have those couple of three plays in there that that, that do have you concerned. And, and look, I, I'm going to be concerned as, as an analyst, as a fan, as an ex-coach, uh, just until we kind of get the ship righted. But I think those sure. guys can go in there. I'd be really concerned, Jordy, if we didn't show any signs of improvement. We showed a lot. I mean, this game, okay. it, it's going to sound bad when I say it to it, it, it had the possibility of not even being close. Yeah, but the Katie just weren't able. When they had that ten point lead, it could have very easily been you know twenty twenty one. Right. Just didn't, didn't well, look, let's just be honest. Rice beat the Cajuns every way but loose. Mm-hmm. The Cajuns <laughs> kind of gave that game away to UL Monroe. So it, it happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens at uh, 4 o'clock on Saturday. We'll see how many fans show up. Um, you know, they're not used to losing, and you can lose them pretty quickly. I hope that's not the case. Uh, but the Cajuns would do quite well for themselves if they can put together a really good game. And, and and be the team that's favored by over a touchdown in your house. That's unheard of. Yeah, it is. And and, and you're right. I mean, a good crowd. It's going to be homecoming. You know, so weather's supposed to be awesome. And look, Jordan, I heard you mention about the folks having to prepare for a hurricane. The, the thoughts and prayers to those. We know what that is going through. But, yeah. you know, luckily for us, it turned. And so we're supposed to have some right. really good weather. Uh, four in the afternoon. Got a good team coming in, a team that really should have beat UCLA, beat the brakes off of Louisiana Tech, which I know that that makes a lot of people smile down and laugh yeah. yet. But yeah. but to have this opportunity to go and beat somebody that you favored or you you know you're you're an underdog to at the house, and look these these are guys that took care took advantage of the transfer portal. Now they got a yeah. number of transfers in there, and George they're playing well. And you were talking about special teams. Heck, last week against Louisiana Tech. They had a punt return for a touchdown that counted, and they had a kickoff return for a touchdown that didn't. Uh, mm. But they are very explosive in special teams. They're playing good defense. They got a transfer quarterback. So it's good. Cajun's going to have to play well in this. They have to play really well. Uh, Gerald, thank you, man. You're a good sport. I promise we're going to do this after a win. I promise. It's just up I'm to the Cajuns to give us one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're done playing. Hey, I appreciate you talking Cajuns, though, Jordy. Really you got do. it, buddy. Gerald Broussard, okay. color commentator. On the UL radio broadcast, former player, former coach, does it all. He bleeds vermilion and white. He just does. Um, vermilion and red. Uh, time to face your worst nightmares with the game's 13th gate giveaway. We have your VIP tickets for the legendary haunted house attraction. That way you can scream over and over again 
while others have to wait in line. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today to win a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th Gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. So we started the show with the bad, the Saints. We got better with LSU's win. So we started hour number two with the, the Cajuns lost. Now we've been going back uphill because the Cowboys got their first win of the season. Jim Gazzolo joins us next. How about them Cowboys from Lake Charles and McNeese here on the Jordy Helfrich Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yep. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, strike up the band because the Cowboys from McNeese get their first win of the season, a 32-17 win over Mississippi College, getting the first Division I win for head coach Gary Goff. How about that? Um, Jim Gazzolo of the American Press. We've been waiting. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Hopefully we could get a, a game where we could talk about a win. And Jim, by golly, we finally got one, man. So I know... I know you're happy. I know the mood in Lake Charles is happy. I don't care who the opposition is. A win is a win. Take it every day of the week. Man, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm fine. There's Joy in Chuckville. <laughs> Joy in Chuckville. Well, um, we said last time we spoke, you got to run the ball. You got, got guys that can run it, give it to them. And the D&D gang did it again with Deontay McMahon and D'Angelo Durham. I mean, the numbers are very impressive. Yeah, we're starting to find that they're starting to have a little identity now in the team and on the offense. That identity is run the football, run the football, and run the football. I mean, you got uh, Durham runs for 157 yards. More importantly to me, it's how many yards he gets per carry. He's at 11.2 yards per carry. And, um, Man, uh, McMahon gets 11.4 yards per carry. So Durham and McMahon, um, man, 350 yards of running the football. That's, uh, that does a lot for you. That will, that will solve a lot of your ills. Uh, I will say that for the, I'm just actually writing a story on the, the running backs now. I can tell you nationally, they would be number one and three with Durham. Uh, uh, McMahon leading the country in, in rushings per carry if they had enough carries to qualify, but they don't because they split <laughs> um, their time. It's, it's very obvious that uh, they need to get the football as as, as often as possible. Um, what about the quarterback, Knox Kadem? How did he look? I know I, they must not have thrown it very often, but um, how did he look? Uh, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. There, the thing with um, Mississippi College is they played a three-deep safety shell. So they were not giving up anything deep. And he was 10 for 16, but a lot of it, it was all underneath. He did have a touchdown pass to Mason Pierce, a couple of drops. He didn't get sacked. 
So that was that was amazing. But it really was a matter of they were just going to run downhill and they were just going to run the football and control. Now, they didn't control the clock because Mississippi College ran uh, 30 seconds, 40 seconds off before every play. Mm. But they did run the football and they were productive. They were 8 for 10 in third downs. Um, when they were they came in at four for thirty one, so they really did, they did down and distance and were ahead of the chains. Didn't make any big mistakes. Uh, played a solid, if not spectacular, game. He is Jim Gazzola. He covers the McNeese Cowboys for the American Press. Uh, I, I, you can't ask for a better drive to start a second half, right? Uh, Ninety two yards, thirteen plays. Took seven minutes and twenty seconds off the clock. You talk about deflate an opponent. That's what that'll do. Yeah, that was that was big because that that came just after uh, they went up eighteen seven at the half, and then they look like they're putting them away. And then there's there's a fumble. Mississippi College had its only drive of the game. Really scored a touchdown, big at eighteen four. You're like, oh, and that's yeah. when they went ninety two yards, and they followed that up with a sixty five yard time-consuming power drives that just kind of stated we're the more physical team. We're going to take this over, and that was it. Yeah. Um, improvement, you mentioned third downs. They were 4 of 31 through the first three games were the Cowboys uh, against Mississippi College, 8 for 10. So that 80% looking a lot better than 13%. Yeah, and it was, it was just what we had talked about. It was third and three, third and two. It wasn't third and seventeen, uh, and that was really that was really the difference. And uh, another thing was their defense was able to get well. well Mississippi College controlled the ball a lot with the way they did it. They didn't run a lot of plays during the thirty seconds, so uh-huh. the defense was able to stand up and, and did a pretty good job. Are we giving? We're not giving enough love to uh, Cordell Williams, the linebacker. Three straight double-digit tackle games to start off the season. Man, he's he's like the heart and soul of that defense. Yeah, and uh, his um, I, we had, we did a big story on him last week in the American Press. He's third in the country in tackles in FCS. Uh, he is um, very solid at uh, learning. He's a little smaller for for big school and next level, but he's really smart at filling holes and reading plays. And he is lightning quick um, on the on the side to side so he's playing really well uh this, you know talking to him and having a long conversation with him before last week's story this is his fifth defensive coordinator his fifth head coach just shows a lot what he's gone through another guy that's really come on in the last two weeks is micah davy you okay. guys know him from his lsu the father's days of rohan he is uh, he had a sack two weeks ago last week he got a huge hit uh that led to a scoop and score for Enos Lewis, very big plays. Um, he's really starting to step in his own as kind of a third linebacker that's making plays, giving them a little more depth at linebacker and making making a huge statement and uh, getting more playing time with each week. What's a what's a quarterback's son doing playing defense? Come on, I got to get on. Uh, I got to get on Rohan and talk uh, I, talk I, about that. That's that's crazy. That, that is a little different, but uh, <laughs> you know, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I'm going to talk. To, I'm talking to him in practice today for a story on him this week. So we'll find out. 
Next up is Incarnate Word, who lost on the very last play of the game to Southeastern, uh, forty-one to thirty-five. Prior to that, uh, they were they were undefeated. They scored sixty-four, beating yeah. Southern Illinois. Scored fifty-five to beat Nevada. Scored thirty-one to beat Prairie View. So you got your hands full coming up uh, six o'clock Saturday, October first, my friend. Yes, and they're only one in the conference. Imagine that. We get to meet uh, Mr. Traveler, Lindsey Scott Jr., another yes. LSU connection. He oh is uh, on his seventh year, fifth school. Um, ironically, my stat of the week is this. Lindsey Scott is the older or as old as eight starting quarterbacks of the NFL Sunday. Wow. wow. He is It'll the Marco Polo of college football. Ah, that's crazy. That is crazy. He is the poster um, child. Man. He is the poster um, child, I say, for uh, yeah. the transfer portal, good and bad. Good and bad. You're absolutely right. Jim Gazzola, how's my boy Coach Goff doing? How was he? Was he relieved? Was he? Did he show some emotion after that? Well, yeah. He, you know, he's, a, he's an interesting guy in his – he says, I'm coaching my players, win or lose, I'm not going to get down. We're not going to attack them. We are coaching these players for the future. But he was really happy to get the monkey off his back. And uh, he, didn't, he didn't like being reminded that, hey, you still have a beat in the Division One school. But he was okay. <laughs> <laughs> you cogsure, you. I swear. Don't rain on that poor man's parade. Goodness gracious. I'm kidding. All right, Jim. Uh, well, congratulations. Um, uh, incarnate word. That's San Antonio, right? That is San Antonio, and uh, there is a, a little quick history on this. Uh, they perceived themselves as the new McNeese of the Southland. But last year, uh, in, the, in the spring game, it was the six-month anniversary to the day of Hurricane Laura. Uh, yeah. Big celebration of McNeese. Incarnate Word came in here and destroyed them and then ran it up a little bit at the end and threw a late touchdown with under a minute left. There was a lot of exchanges between Ben Frank Wilson and the two head coaches after the game at the handshake uh, made for some fire the next. And Uh McNeese was the only team to beat a card award last year uh, in the fall season here. So there's a little fire in this one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. A little side anecdotes uh, as Jim will be on the – the uh, the boats going around San Antonio, eating his Mexican food. Uh, it's a great little visit um, and go see the Alamo and all that fun stuff as well. But Jim, thank you, man. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you next time. You got it, buddy. Jim Gazzolo, American Press, the Cowboys get the W. Yes, indeed. Um, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because... Once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Don't forget, week three of the NFL season wraps up tonight with Monday Night Football as the Dallas Cowboys take on the rival New York Giants, who are undefeated right now. 2-0. Pre-game begins at 7. 
Kickoff set for 7.30. You can listen to all the action right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Back talking about the Tigers. Maybe their most impressive win of the year. Offensively, defensively, special teams getting better. Still not where they want them to be, but uh, from the Are You Serious uh, podcast, Blake Rafino joins us on this Monday edition of the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back at 35 minutes after the hour. A lot of positives to garner from LSU's 38-zip win over New Mexico to improve to 3-1 overall, 1-0 in the SEC with Auburn looming on the plane Saturday at 6 p.m. Let's talk about the game that was and look ahead to the game that will be with our good friend from the Are You Serious podcast, Blake Rafino. Blake, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Doing good, Jordy. How are you? I'm good. It looked to me like LSU's offense became efficient, and that's something that they've been looking for <clears throat> all month. They opened up quickly. They snapped the ball quickly. Short passes, let your receivers make plays. Boom, 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 boom. They just, they look good against what was then a, a, supposedly a pretty good defense in New Mexico, ranked, what, 55th nationally uh, with the opponent-adjusted mm-hmm. metric involved in it. So in a, in a long session to get your, to your answer, LSU's offense looked efficient. Very efficient. They do need to start off early, though, Jordy. In reference to they, they do good in between the you know in between the twenty to twenty. Um, they just got to finish, you know. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it's kind of good so Brian Kelly can keep harping on it. But you start slow against Florida State. You start slow uh, against Mississippi State, and then you only have seventeen points at halftime, which. Obviously, that game felt much bigger than 17 points. Mm-hmm. But Jordy, you're going to run up against a team in, in two weeks. You better not. Score, you better. You better play a four quarter game. You better not play a second half game because when you got Tennessee coming into the town, they'll play four quarters. So, look, I, I think they'll continue to get better offensively as they gain better with their relationships. You know, like the touchdown miss to Malik Neighbors. Malik runs a corner. Obviously, Jaden thinks he's running a dig route, and Brian Kelly talked about that today. Jay, uh, you know, Malik's got to run that dig route. Just some miscommunication there. But all in all, if you can't take away from what this defense did, especially in the second half, even rotating guys in that are second-team guys, highly, highly impressive what the Tigers were able to pull off. Yeah, I'm, uh, we're going to get to the defense in a minute. But back to Jaden Daniels, um, I thought by far his best game. Uh, he was patient. He did what you wanted. His numbers were outstanding. Didn't turn the ball over. Didn't look to run that much. He was more of a in the pocket. Made some great, great throws. I think he's just getting better and better. It looks like he's getting into a rhythm with this offense. And that seems to be this offense's identity, right? As Daniels goes, so goes this offense. So, so does everybody else, you know, you, you know, around the, 
around the country, Jordy, in reference to quarterback. But, yeah, you're right. And good thing is the offensive line's getting better. I think that they found their O-line. Crazy thing is, Jordy, it's two freshman tackles. You know, um, let's see how they hold up this week. Auburn, you know, all those struggling offensively, defensively, they're pretty good, and they got a pretty good front. Um, this is going to be a challenge for LSU up front. Um, for the uh, speaking of the offensive line, so I think Jaden, who stepped back in the pocket this past Saturday, uh, a lot is going to have to use his legs a little bit more, uh, just based off of Georgia. I mean, Auburn's always got dudes up front, no and uh, you know, and, and so they're going to have to you know utilize that running game. And they're going to have to definitely utilize Jane Daniels with his legs um, to extend plays. Because look, one thing that they got going in Auburn is they can play. They they'll hit you in the mouth. We saw that against Penn State. Look, even though Jordy that game was very lopsided, it didn't get lopsided until the second half when the offense was completely anemic uh, and the defense just couldn't hold on. Um, I, I think Jordy, you got to wear on this team uh, offensively, and if you can continue to find a running game. This team, this LSU team, is going to be really tough to stop. He is uh, Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. Um, defensively, Matt House has just, you mentioned it briefly, uh, has done a tremendous job. This this group getting stingier and stingier, um, and they're getting a safety back after missing the first couple of games that uh, Fouché, that's, that's supposed to be pretty darn good. They might be even better now. Uh, Jordy, I'm sorry. I'm going through. I went through a bad area. What, what was that? I'm sorry. I just think that the defense keeps to improve. You know, they they um they struggle oh, yeah. tackling against uh, Florida State. They got that rectified against Southern. Outstanding performance against Mississippi State, and then they pitched a shutout against New Mexico. They they just keep getting better each and every week. Well, and not only that, Jordy Brian Kelly challenged them to get a shutout. You know, I, I you know. Crazy thing is, man, in this business, coaching matters, right? I mean, coaching mm-hmm. just thinking matters. And I, I've been highly impressed, and I've been impressed by this team. You know, Jordy, look, the LSU's defense is only giving up 12.5 points per game over these first four games, okay? And you've faced teams like Mississippi State. You faced a 4-0 Florida State. So they, they have been really good up until right now. And yeah. – you know, I think that they're obviously the – and the great thing is, Jordy, this is what good coaching does. Okay, do you have the players? Yes. And, and Jordy, this is the age-old conversation that you and I have had for a long time. But every single week, Matt House has a different way of attacking things. It's really NFL-oriented. And there's not one thing outside of the front that you can base what Matt House is going to do. The back seven, as I call it, everybody's talking about the front seven, but the back seven with the linebackers and the DBs, Jordy, they've mixed so many things up that's benefited them so well. I mean, it's crazy just how great a good scheme, not a great scheme, but a good scheme can do for you. And you got to give Brian Kelly this. Mark Lee, his ex um Defensive coordinator, obviously the head coach at Vandy. Look what Vandy's doing. Jordy, they were projected to win two and a half games. They're at three. You have Mike Elko, who lost in his first year, could have gone 4-0 down to the wire at Duke. Obviously, we know the struggles that Marcus Freeman's had 
But look how good they can be and have been defensively, even holding down Ohio State to 21 points. Defense, you know, Brian Kelly doesn't get enough credit about how his defenses do. Now, he's going to have, again, Brian Kelly's going to have challenges in the future, but you've got to give them and give him a lot of credit for what they're doing defensively. Really and truthfully, Jordy, and I don't mean this in a wrong way, it is the most NFL system that we've seen since Saban. Oh, no it, question. It generally is. Yeah. Dave Aranda, Dave Aranda right. was told to simplify it because Ed didn't understand it. Okay? Obviously, we know what happened with Durante Jones and Bo Pelini. I'm just so highly impressed. It, uh, you know, yeah. I, it's a long-winded way of me saying, Jordy, it's extremely impressive what they're doing. No question about that. Um, and they're doing it with, I mean, uh, Bernard Converse moved back to his old position at Oklahoma State, moved back to safety because they didn't have enough players. So he he did that and got it going. Major Burns is going to be out three to six weeks, but Gil Fouché is coming back. Um, Ward's supposed to be back and healthy. Uh, Seven Banks finally got in. He limited snaps, but he had four tackles. So, again, it's – it's the development of this team from where they were week one to where they are now. It's like, there's no such thing as a game that you can't win the rest of the season. But on the flip side, it's also a season where you could lose every game. That's just the way it is right now. That's right. Well, and you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, look, what do you have in Ole Miss? I mean, what do you, I mean, can you outscore Texas A&M? Now, that defense is really good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we saw what Tennessee can put together, and we saw that Florida has has immense struggles. And so, Jordy, I hate – I mean, it's kind of the old, you know, like, oh, well, look how great of a take Blake just had. Jordy, you can be 7-5 and five at the end of the season, and you can be 9-3. and three. Yeah. That's, how, yeah. that's how big of a difference this is because it's a game in – who, Jordan, whoever actually stays the most disciplined in, in these games, whatever team stays the most disciplined is going to win. And Mississippi State didn't. Mike Leach didn't. LSU got the win. Same deal That's might right. be a little bit here. I think LSU's just way too talented. It feels like the wheels are coming off at Auburn. But, I mean, Jordan, you go in 2-0 and and 4-1. I, I get the games at 11, and it's very gross. The LSU has a top ten team coming in to Baton Rouge, and the kickoff is at eleven. But Jordy, you got a four and one team and, a, and and potentially a four and zero team. I, I mean, shades of just how things have turned, you know, from one one year from another. And the Jordy, it's it, there. It, here's the difference because LSU was in this kind of similar situation a season ago. The difference is is that now you believe, and everyone around the country believes that you have the coach that can get you there. That's the difference. Here, and, here's how I always evaluated yeah. it, okay? I would be on the sidelines, and I would look on the LSU sideline, and I'd look on the opposing sideline. And when Saban was coaching, I'd say, we got the better coach than all you other dudes. Didn't feel that way mm-hmm. with Les Miles. Didn't feel that way with Ed Orgeron. I feel that way with Brian Kelly. I'm looking across the way and going, my coach is better than your coach. That gives me a chance. And I love this quarterback. I mean, I love this. I love his ability 
to make something out of nothing, to avoid major losses, um, his ability to run, his ability to throw on the run, that gives you a chance in every game, man. Modern football, no offense, Miles Brennan, but you sitting in that pocket, it's not going to happen. You're going to get hit. This defensive linemen are too good. Um, so I like that ability. Right. I like the head coach, and I like the quarterback. That gives me a chance in every game. Well, and not only that, Jordy, he's not turning the football over, right? right. I mean, you know, even to add to to what you're saying, not turning the football over because Jordy, if he if he can't if he believes he can't make the throw, Jordy, here's the thing, and everybody's like, oh, well, you're just playing this team or that team or this team or that team. Well, it, no, that's not necessarily yeah. true. Because Jaden right. Daniels is going to run away from everybody. That's, That's right. how fast and explosive he is, okay? So the point of the matter is, and the reason why I don't necessarily understand some people kind of criticizing him on running the football as much, huh. Jordy, I can live with him running the ball for 12 yards. What I can't live with is constant times where you take shots down the field and they're incomplete, okay? Yep. Give me – a 5- to 12-yard run on third down, no matter what the sticks dictate, no matter what the down and distance is, I will take that every single time because positive yards win football games. Bottom line, yes. yep. moving the That's sticks speaking. wins football games. And, and Jordy, of- they're third down. The, the, so here's the truth. Jordy, I can tell you each team pretty much 90% of the time, when you win the third down battle, you're going to win the football game 90% of the time. He extends that. He makes sure that you stay on the field, which then makes your defense so much better. It's so great to see. Yeah. yeah. He's, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer and a fan of Jaden Daniels. I'm also a fan of it. Looks like LSU's got a real threat on punt returns for the first time in years. I love Jack Besh back there. He's a receiver, so he catches it with his hands. Uh, yes, he's brave, and yes, he's fearless, and sometimes maybe takes a chance or two, but I like that. I want that in my punt returner. And for years, for years, LSU always had that game-breaking threat back there. We haven't had it recently. Maybe we have one now. Well, and not even not even that, Jordy. Not even that we see him with the ability to break one. The fact of the matter is, is that you can send him out there and you just feel comfortable, yeah, right. Yep. Like you feel like, Jordy, I just feel so comfortable that he's back there. Like that's a part in a position where, yeah, pretty sure Jack is going to at least catch the football, or he's right. going to make the right decision to make sure that we're in the best possible scenario as any other possible scenarios or outcomes. Bottom line is. Jack Besh, he, he's a dude. He's always been a dude. Yeah. It takes four or five guys to bring him down. You know, the touchdown, Jordy, I felt so bad for him. I mean, Kobe Fields, that's not a block in the back. It's it just no. not. But I agree. It also, shows, it also shows that, you know, maybe with a little bit of the injury, they didn't want to overextend him. But mm-hmm. when they needed him, and they need him now, they go to him. That is the telltale sign that you know. And Jordan, here's a great thing: he's only a sophomore, right? Oh, like, I, know. I mean, you know, he's we feel like because he's we talk good. about Jack so much, he's been yep. here for ages. I mean, you're yep. going to have not only this year, but maybe maybe even two more years of this young man. Sky's yep. the limit for Jack. Uh, I want to see them, Jordy, get him a little bit more 
involved in reference to on-the-run catches, though. Meaning, you, I get that you're letting him run a lot of stick routes and stuff, but let him be a mismatch for a safety. It's the only complaint I got with, with how they're utilizing him. But regardless, you throw him the ball, positive things always happen. I'm with you. All right, Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. A very impressive win for LSU. Never sleep on Auburn. Just don't. I don't care Never. how bad they look. This is a rivalry game. LSU's favored by seven and a half already. I never underestimate Auburn specifically at their stadium. LSU better get out there and, and get the lead early and let Auburn say to themselves, okay, well, we're going to lose this one. But if you let them hang around, it's dangerous, man. It's dangerous. But thank no you doubt. as always, man. Great talking to you. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Jordy. Go Tigers. All right, buddy. You take care. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. We're back to wrap it all up. This Monday edition of the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Only one horse race in Major League Baseball. The Mets over the Braves by a game and a half. Albert Pujols gets career number 700. Aaron Judge holding tight at 60 home runs this year. If today is your birthday, uh, September 26th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with, they call her the GOAT, Serena Williams, 41 years old today. Um, James Mesh, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of our guests. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to our partners that make it happen each and every day. Come on back tomorrow. Same time, two to four, same great stations. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Be kind to one another. And let's be happy. So long, everybody.